If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Coffee in California Politics here on this Wednesday morning, uh, a couple of weeks before Christmas. Uh, hope everyone's doing well. Uh, give it a couple minutes for everyone to log on. As always, if you miss it live, you can catch the podcast uh, later on, the audio podcast, or if you have to hop out and you're like, well, I want to catch it later, but I don't want to sit and watch on my phone. Uh, you can always pull it up by the audio podcast. You can subscribe on Spotify, Google, Apple, all those places where you can find podcasts um, and catch up on it or past Coffee in California Politics as well. The topics are usually covered in the description. So if you want to go there, you can go there as well. Uh, new this morning, though, is my brand new California Underground Coffee Mug. Perfect to go with your coffee in California politics uh, mornings, every Wednesday morning. So I have a feeling this will be one of my new mugs going forward, my usual rotation. Uh, came out pretty well. Simple black with the logo on it. Um, I like it. So, Yeah. If you want to get it, you can get it in the shop by going into in my my profile. Go to view shop. If you hear some weird noises in the background, it's because it's our Frenchie. Uh, she's sleeping in the room. Uh, so if you hear any snoring this morning, that like that, that would be our Frenchie, who is fast asleep. Um, that's basically all they do. They eat and they go for a quick walk and then they sleep. Anyway, all right, so. I'd like to get started with the today's topic and kind of discuss. And of course, the point of coffee in California politics is that you can uh, hop in with anything you want to talk about. We can get to it after I discuss my topic. So if there's any questions, there's topics you want to discuss. We can always discuss those. This is supposed to be like a two way kind of conversation. So if you have any questions or things like that, make sure you post them in the comments and I'll go ahead and read them out. Um, I wanted to talk about today the Dan Crenshaw video and the explanation and the story about him um, talking about this database. Now, I'll admit, I haven't read as much about the database as I usually do because the point of this is not really to talk about the database or the specifics of the database. I know he went over it and everyone sent me like a video explanation of what Dan Crenshaw said. And he talked about like, well, this is why we supported this. This is why I voted for it. Um, and I wanted to kind of talk about this because I think it's a very important policy issue within the Republican party as a whole, and and basically any party in opposition to Democrats right now here in America. And the issue is, is that right now Republicans are basically just a speed bump. I think this was Tim Pohl who came up with this phrase that Republicans right now are basically just a speed bump to democratic agenda meaning that they don't really stop it as much as we think they do they basically just kind of slow down the progress and that eventually whether it's this year next year five years down the road it will always eventually get to a point where the democrats get what they want it just may be slower than expected and there someone had a comment on and we were kind of we were having a very productive conversation back and forth about this and they were trying to explain, well, isn't it better that he 
defunded it and they made it anonymous and, and X, Y, and Z. And I said, how about no database? How about that be your position? How about no database be your position? And I think that's one of the things about, about Republicans that really kind of can drive me crazy is they don't take these bold positions. Um, they don't really take these positions where they say, no, this is our position and this is what we're going with. Instead, they're like, well, the Democrats have already put this out there. Therefore, uh, we're just going to try and slow it or kind of kind of kind of put the brakes on it a little bit, as opposed to just having a strong position where they say, how about no database? And, and there's a lot of Democrats who you have to give them credit to to say they take these bold positions and they stick with them. I mean, as much as people hate the squad and AOC and stuff like that. They stick to their guns. They stick to their guns and they don't really budge on their position. And it makes it hard to kind of deal with them because of the fact that they don't really budge on their position. And they say, this is what we want, as crazy as it sounds. This is what we're going with. This is our bold vision and, and our voters expect this from us. And I think that's another reason why Republicans get so frustrated with people who they've elected. Mostly because they feel like they elect people when they go in, they say, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to be so bold. I'm going to take the fight to the squad. I'm going to take the fight to the Democrats and Nancy Pelosi. Um, I'm going to go to Congress. I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm going to really like, you know, overturn the tables in the temple. But at the end of the day, they kind of get in there and they just kind of become a speed bump. They don't really do as much. And I understand somebody said, well, they're in the minority. What do you want Dan Crenshaw to do? He's in the minority. He can't really do anything. There's a lot of tools in Congress and in our legislative processes across the country that prevent the majority from just steamrolling over all of these um, steamrolling over all of the minority. And that was created that way because our founding fathers didn't believe that pure democracy was the way to go. They didn't believe that the majority rule could turn into a tyrannical rule because if the majority gets whatever they want all the time, then basically it's a tyranny of the majority and the minority has no power. They have no voice. They can't do anything. So there is a lot of things in place, legislatively, parliamentary, that you can do to kind of slow these things down, be a thorn in their side, stop these things, kill it in committee. Um, there's a lot of things you can do. So I think for him to come out and say like, well, here's my explanation. Here's what I'm saying. Um, here's my rationale for why I did this and why, um, why I supported this. I don't think it was adequate enough. And the problem is, is that Dan Crenshaw shows glimmers of this, like he's smart. He knows what he's doing. He, he, he's well-spoken. He can do all these things. He, he has great tweets. He makes good points. Um, he goes on shows like Trevor Noah and he kind of goes into the enemy territory and says, I'm going to expose my ideals to people who are obviously hostile to me and my ideals, but I'm going to go there anyway, which I applaud him for because more conservatives, I think, can afford to go into these areas and say, look, I'm going to go on Trevor Noah's show and I'm going to go on, uh, you know, Jimmy Fallon show or, or any of these shows where they're not really that supportive of them and just talk about this stuff because culture does have a big, big, uh, influence on politics. So there's a lot of good things about Dan Crenshaw. And then he does stuff like this where you look at him and you go, really? That's and I personally, it did come off as condescending. It came off as condescending to me this way. He had to be like, look, 
I have to come in here and record this video as if we are bothering him as if it's like a big chore for us for him to explain what happened with this vote and this database. And then for him to say, well, I have to explain to you and, you know, it's better than, you know, it was full disclosure and uh, we defunded it and we got all this stuff. And I, so, you know, I see this as, as a win. Um, and it came off as very condescending as if like, you don't understand, you don't know what's going on here. Okay. But people don't elect you to take these kind of softball positions. They elect you to kind of be a fighter for them. And I think that's, um, I think that's one of the reasons people get really frustrated with Republicans is that they get into positions of power and they always end up buckling. They always become these speed bumps to the democratic agenda. They always just figure, well, if we're just two clicks to the right from the Democrats, people will see that as a better option. I don't think that's true. Um, and the one thing about Democrats, I'll go back to them is they're smart in their negotiation. They usually set a ridiculous out of the world high anchor claim. And in negotiation that you're taught in law school, this thing, this idea of an anchor claim, meaning you start with this opening position. Um, and Trump, love him or hate him, was good at that. That was one of his things about Art of the Deal was that he starts with a really out of this world crazy anchor claim. And then he moves back towards the middle, which is what he wanted anyway. He would have been happy with, you know, he starts over at this extreme. And then he goes a couple clicks in. He negotiates and, and it looks like he's conceding. When in reality, he gets what he wants anyway. Because what he wanted was somewhere over here, but his claim was way back here. So when you move closer to that, this is what you wanted anyway. And that's just basic negotiation skills is that you start with a high anchor claim, an aggressive anchor, claim, maybe not super lavish that people aren't going to listen to, but you start with that high anchor claim and then you kind of um, move closer to what you're looking for anyway. You know what you're going to get out of the deal or what you want to get out of the negotiation. So thereby you just, you, you concede so that you win the negotiation. And Democrats are very good at that. Democrats start with these lavish outlandish stuff that we look at and go, that's absolutely insane. Why would anybody vote for that? And then guess what happens? They get a bunch of Republicans, like an Adam Kissinger, all these like kind of rhinos, like uh, what's the other, Liz Cheney, who will then capitulate and work and say, oh, I'm a bipartisan person. I'm going to work with the Democrats. When And then they kind of work it back to what they want. And then they get what they want in the end anyway. And so they're always kind of arguing and trying to negotiate with Democrats on what they want as opposed to what they want. And I think this is a real issue with the Republican Party that they need to create more bold positions and they need to create positions that they stand by and positions that they are proud of and positions they feel passionate and confident about. Uh, I had hopped on a live with Tamika Hamilton this weekend, just out of nowhere, um, and we were talking about this. We were talking about the issue of crime, kind of bringing it back to California. We were talking about the issue of crime here in California and it's being on the rise and where did it come from and uh, what can we do about it? And the one thing I said was the problem is, is you have a lot of Republicans who are not strong enough in California to just come out and say like, we need safer neighborhoods. And the way you get safer neighborhoods is you do have to have law enforcement. You do have to have some sort of criminal justice reform where you make um, 
perfect. Someone just brought it up about all the crime robberies. That's exactly what I'm going into right now. Um, you have to have stronger laws and you have to have stronger prosecutorial power and you have to have some sort of criminal justice system in place where if people are committing crimes and armed robbery, they are punished for it. And the problem is, is that Republicans often will say, well, we need to do this. And then Democrats come out and go, well, you're racist. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. Uh, maybe we can just kind of like increase on the fringe. No, be proud and be passionate about your position. Have that bold position and stick to it. The fact that you run away from it so quickly shows me that you are not really that crazy about it. And that when push comes to shove, when you're in office, you're most likely not going to fight for me. You're most likely going to cave at the slightest bit of resistance that at any moment, you're just going to go, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be called a racist or a big, okay, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you. Um, and that's one of the biggest issues here in California is that a lot of conservatives don't really take these bold enough positions. And by bold, I mean like they don't have to be like bold in the sense of like super conservative or like really far right or something like that. What I'm talking about is you have to have positions that people can agree with and that you agree with and that you believe are is beneficial to California and stick with it and lean into it and go, no, this is my position. This is what I believe. This is much better. And too often you have too many Republicans here in California who are just trying to be like one or two ticks away from a Democrat. Um, when in reality, they could be creative reformers. And we've talked about this before, about how reformers, uh, the Republican Party in California should really take on this like reform mantle, like the reformist party of the early 20th century, like Teddy Roosevelt and all them. Uh, it really should take on this reform idea. Like we need to reform California. Um, and I don't want to give any credit to, I think it's Carl DeMaio has a nonprofit. He calls reform California or something like that. Um, but it really should take on this mantle of reform. So when it comes to issues like crime here in California, you can't capitulate and you can't capitulate and be like, well, if we just do a little couple things around the fringe, because right now is when you have these open minds. Right now is when you have people who are open to these new ideas. You have people who are watching the news going, this is scary. What's going on with the Bay Area um, and L.A.? I just saw a news story, which, you know, flabbergasted. I, and I watched it. I just I couldn't help but laugh at, at the irony of it was there was a holiday party up in Pacific Palisades, which is a very richy, rich neighborhood. And two armed, armed men just walked into their party, walked right into their living room, no resistance at all, just walked right in, armed armed robbers, and kind of stuck up the whole party and said, hey, give us what you got. And they left. And the property owner was kind of saying, uh, well, uh, okay, we need to have stronger prosecutorial action here and we need to have stronger law enforcement. And I'm looking at people like this. I'm like, you probably voted for prop 47. You probably voted for prop 57. You probably supported the politicians who put these things into place, but now you want stronger law enforcement. You want stronger police and you want stronger prosecutorial laws and all these criminal defense laws, but their minds are open. 
And a Republican or a Libertarian or anybody else who's in opposition to Democrats here in California can certainly come in and say, look, I'm going to take a strong stance. I want to clean up. I want to crack down on crime. I want to make for safe neighborhoods where your families can go and your families can go. And that's my position. And I'm not backing down. And another story that I just saw that was the Oakland mayor has now agreed to increase funding for police because there has been an enormous rise in homicides and armed robberies in Oakland. And Oakland is having a big crime wave right now. And she backed off her original position, but you're starting to see a lot of people, this kind of wind of change of people wanting for stronger law enforcement and and a stronger crackdown on crime. So to bring it full circle, instead of being two ticks away from Democrats and saying, well, we we agree with your reformist and defund the police, but we want to do it in in a moderate way. Not as crazy as your way, because if we do it in a moderate way, you still get what you want. Um, but then, uh, but then you get what you want. And I look like the jerk because I didn't really do anything to fix it. Now you got to take those bold positions. You got to take those bold positions and you got to go for it. And you have to, as a politician, not back down from them. There's a time and a place for negotiation, but if you're always a speed bump to the democratic agenda, and we've seen that here in California, probably worst of all. If you're just a speed bump, sooner or later, you're going to be relegated to a permanent minority party because they're not going to look at your party and think there's a lot of solutions there. Maybe I should go over to that party and figure it out um, or support them because they have better solutions. Instead, you just look at the other party and go, well, they're just sort of the same party I've been voting for, but uh, they're just kind of two clicks away. And besides, my party tells and tells me that they're racist and they're bigots and all that stuff. Um, so final thoughts on really what I'm trying to get at here is Dan Crenshaw is a smart politician. There's no denying that he's talented. He's a smart politician. Um, But I wish he wouldn't be so much of a speed bump. And I know he's trying to reach across the aisle and he's trying this whole bipartisan thing where he wants to like have conversations, which is great. I I love it. Uh, You know, you should be reaching out to the other side and having these conversations. You may not agree on everything, um, and you may disagree on a lot of things and at the end walk away and say, I, we don't see eye to eye on anything, but at least at the end of the day, maybe you can respect each other. Um, but this mentality of like, let's just be speed bumps to the democratic agenda has got to stop. That's it. Because slowly but surely, they may not get the win today, but they'll get the win in four years. They'll get the win in five years. They'll get the win in 10 years. Um, And that's how you slowly encroach to the point where you wake up one day and go, what the heck happened? And especially here in California, where a lot of people, I think, woke up over 2020 and said, what the heck happened here? And I think a lot of people are still waking up to what is going on. And especially with this crime wave, a lot of people are waking up to how did it get so bad And why is this such an issue? And now they have to wake up and go, did I vote for Prop 47? Oh, I voted for Prop 47. I thought it was a good idea to vote for Prop 47. Um, So that's that's my kind of off the top topic today is to talk about was that you can win and be bold. You can win. I mean, Donald Trump was bold and he won. Um And you have to lean into these issues and you have to stand by your positions. And we saw a little bit in Virginia 
where Glenn Youngkin didn't run from culture wars. He didn't run from a lot of the woke culture. Instead, he leaned into it and stuck to his guns and it worked. And people looked and said, okay, I'm going to vote for this guy because he's, he's not backing down. Um, and now you have a Republican governor in a blue state. And I think there's, there's, that's sort of the opportunity. And that's sort of the way you got to go is stop arguing or trying to win in a democratic arena. Um, don't ever, I mean, we've read the book and I, I want to come back to it later and talk more about it, but we've talked about this idea of framing. We've talked about don't argue in someone else's frame. And that's what happens is Republicans are always arguing in Democrats frames and they're negotiating in Democratic frames. When in reality, it shouldn't be, well, here's the debate. The debate is this database. Democrats want it to be, we want all your information. We want to know who you are. Um, and we basically want to keep a federal database of everyone who's vaccinated. The Republican shouldn't say, well, I agree with there should be a database, but can we make it anonymous so that, you know, it's not like as, and then Democrats go, yeah, sure, whatever. Okay, well, great. Because we wanted the database anyway, we got the database. Instead, take it out and go, how about no database? How about we just don't have a database? And every Republican should stick together and go, how about no database? That's our bold position. And um, we don't believe in it. So that's what we should. uh, Sorry, call was coming in. That's what we're going to stick by. So anyway, um, let me check some of these comments. I know people are commenting and questioning and stuff. So let's hop into that. Let's see. Um, do, 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 do. he should be reminded he was elected and works for the people. Well, if anyone wants to be reminded, it should be, uh, noodles and his, his, uh, his vacations and his book tours and all that stuff. Uh, let's see, I guess Dom, Dan Bongino, what's your thoughts on state local issues? Uh, yeah, I touched upon the, the crime and the robberies. Look, we've talked about it on a different podcast. Um, and reality, oh, phone call just keeps coming in. Um, and in reality, uh, it, it, it's, you can go back and watch the, or listen to the full podcast with me and Morgan. We talked about this. This is sort of a perfect storm of, of what has been going on. Um, this is a perfect storm of what happens when you vote for a lot of these pie in the sky ideologies. And now they've come home to roost is you created this and now you kind of have to lie in it. You kind of create, you've created this, uh, environment and now Democrats have to live with it. And that's really the, the difficult political position that Democrats in California are really under is because last year they were all for defund the police and reform the police and yada, yada, yada. And, now all of a sudden they're seeing a huge crime wave and now they got to bolster the police. You know, you're seeing the San Francisco mayor. She's got to bolster the police. The Oakland mayor said she's going to bolster the police. Um, and now they're backing off all these defund the police and BLM promises they made. Uh, but they've created this bed and I don't think you can let them get away with it. I don't think you can let them get away with it. You have to show them and you have to show people that they put forth the policies that have created this. They've created the no cash bail. They've created 
Prop 47 and reclassifying and Prop 57 and reclassifying a lot of these nonviolent crimes. These are a lot of issues that Democrats have created and they now have to live with it. And I think that's one political area. That's one pain point for Democrats that you have to hold them to and you have to hold them accountable to, which is you, you can't let them snake on that. You can't let them slick away on this and be like, oh, well, we're going to fix it. No, you created it. Now we have to get really tough on it. We have to reclassify a bunch of crimes. We probably have to do a whole... And you can call it criminal justice reform because they've they've kind of monopolized criminal justice reform to be like getting rid of criminal justice or, or weakening criminal justice because that sounds better than saying like, oh, we're just going to get rid of law enforcement and your streets are going to become crazy. There's an opportunity for Republicans in this state to say we support criminal justice reform as in we want to reform our criminal justice system because it's so bad and it's so weak and ineffectual that we want to make it safer for people. And that's what we want to reform and we want to change all these things. So um, you most importantly need a DA with a backbone. Yeah, that's important, too. There's a lot of DAs like Gascon and who is facing a recall. So is the one in San Francisco. He's facing a recall as well. And I believe they were both Soros backed. Uh, if we weren't being constantly beaten over the head with COVID news, updates, opinions, policies, and mandates, none of us would know there's a global pandemic going on. Let that sink in. Um, I'm pretty sure you'd know there's a global pandemic going on. I uh, just heard a report that under Gascon, gang enhancements drop 99%. Um, that sounds... Gang enhancements or gang recruitments? Whatever. Anything dropping under Gascon sounds... Uh, probably sounds like a lie. Uh, and the problem here in California is a moderate Democrat is automatically labeled a Republican. Yeah, and that's that's another thing too is that there could be good moderate Democrats in California who would not be terrible to have in power. If you had to choose between, and I always bring up the story of here in San Diego, we had a moderate Democrat running against Todd Gloria, who is a far left Democrat for mayor of San Diego. Now, in that case, you know, it probably would have behooved Republicans to kind of get behind the moderate Democrat. And I know that's politically not, you're not supposed to do that. Um, but in reality, because you stuck to your principles on that one, now you have Todd Gloria, who's even worse. Um, when you could have had like a more business friendly, moderate Democrat who comes from the private sector, uh, you know, who is a Democrat, but she, you know, she was more private equity. She was more private sector. She wanted to increase the ability to, to build factories and, and tech headquarters here in San Diego. She wanted to turn this into like the uh, biotech center of the world. So she had a lot of like free market pro capitalist ideas. She was just a Democrat. Um, but now you have Todd Gloria. So and even moderate Democrats can't really run in California without having to be super, super far left. Um which is also a problem for Democrats, but in a jungle primary, it's it's not that hard to get defeated as a moderate Democrat because the farther left Democrat will always beat you. It's the typical create the crisis and then fix it. Come back and be like, we are taking care of you. Um, yep, that's always kind of, that's normal. Do, 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 do. Am I going to ever run for office on a local level? Uh, I don't know. I've always, people have always asked me about whether I want to run on a local level. Um, I kind of like the critique and I like being the, the commentator on the side. So 
Um, I don't know if I'd ever run. Maybe if an opportunity presented itself, but it'd have to be the right one. I also don't think people really understand the bills they vote for and just enlighten them what the Democrats tell them to vote for. Yeah. Uh, like I posted yesterday, Rob Bonta, the attorney general. So in California, the attorney general has the power to name the all of the propositions before they head to the ballot. Correct. So there's actually a proposition that is going to likely take away that power um, from him. And instead, it's going to I think it's going to go to the legislative analysis part and department, which I'm not sure if that makes it any better because, you know, it could be they could be partisan, too. Um, but at least it's it's more it's not one guy. Um, and yesterday I posted that one of the propositions was titled. Uh, something to, along the lines of limiting the ability to raise revenue of local and state government. When in reality, the bill is about whether or not you would be allowed to raise taxes without putting it to a vote to the people. Um, now, how disingenuous does that sound in your mind that uh, that's the title? The title is basically, oh, it sounds horrible. You know, local and, and state governments can't raise revenue that they needed. Oh, that sounds awful. Why would, why would you vote against that? We should have that. They should be able to do that. When in reality, the, um, the bill is about whether or not they can just raise taxes without your vote. And that's how it really, that's just an example of how they, they get away with sort of the, the misinformation. So whatever you have, let me know uh, right there in the chat. Again, if you like my my mug, my California Underground mug specifically for Coffee and California Politics, you can view it in the shop. Tomorrow night on the podcast, I think I'm going to talk about uh, special interests specifically and their, their influence on local elections. Um, there's just been a lot, you know, in, in California... I feel like there's like, it goes from like feast or famine when it comes to news in California. You know, last week, uh, Natalie was on and I told her, I was like, we could have talked about 20 different things. And this would have been a three hour long Joe Rogan episode where we're just sitting chatting for like forever. Um, but there's just so much to talk about. So tomorrow, I think we're, we're going to focus on special interest. There's a, a good video put out by the Epic, Epic Times talking about special interest. I'm going to go through it. Um specifically focus on that and then a couple more and then that's it for the year will be done i think one more one more or two more podcasts um and that'll be it and one more i think one more coffee in california politics maybe two more two more coffee in california politics uh i'm not even in california but these issues aren't just problems in california thanks yeah uh i i appreciate that i like that a lot of people tune in to this I, I never envisioned that this platform would reach people all over the country. I had always expected this platform to really just be focused on California. And so when I hear a lot of people who message me or reach out to me and they say, hey, uh, you know, I'm from so-and-so state and thank you for keeping it. Because a lot of what happens in California does spread to the rest of the country. And I think it's important for people to also know that there's Good people behind enemy lines here in California who are trying to change things. And if we can change things here in California, it may inspire people across the country to go, 
hey, if California can change, then so that's really I, I never realized that it would have a national reach. And um, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate all the people who are still tuning in every week, whether they want to hear about California politics or not. Um, and they really they, they kind of tune in and they they're engaged. I think that's great. And I think it just shows you there's a lot of eyes on California and what can be done here in California. And if California can be saved and California can be changed, then great. The rest of the country can follow suit. So again, if you can hear that, that weird noise in the background, that's, uh, that's our Frenchie, um, snoring away, you know, doing what Frenchies do best, which is sleep. If anybody has a Frenchie, they know that Frenchies do a lot of sleeping. Um, all right, so let me have it. Let me have your comments and questions, topics you want me to cover. Uh, Noodles is on a book tour uh, about this book that he wrote uh, with the dyslexia or something like that. You know, after already taking a week off for Thanksgiving and then all of a sudden taking 12 days, he disappeared for Halloween. Um, so for a guy who is running a state in a state of emergency, it doesn't seem like he's that worried about Omicron or anything else that's going on. The Ninth Circuit put a hold on the assault weapons lawsuit yesterday, waiting for the SCO's decision on the New York pistol. Yeah, that's going to be the big one. I, I, I We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Um, that's going to be a big one. And I think when we we're, we'll hear the decision in June. Uh, that's when all the decisions come out. They all come out like at once. So that's why they all, there's like a day that they, all the reporters wait outside. And then um, I don't know what they're called, but there's, it's kind of a funny scene is you'll see all these like interns or I don't know what they're called. Are they called pages? I think they're called pages. They get the court opinion and they like run out to the reporters, each separate reporter. And like the goal is you want to be the first to like break the story and be like, and then read it real quick and be like, uh, looks like they overturned Roe v. Wade, or it looks like they granted uh, in this Second Amendment case. And so it's always funny to see them, but we won't hear about it till June. I, I expect a good decision on the Second Amendment. Um, I, I wouldn't see why we have a, I say it's a 5-4 majority because I don't really count Roberts anymore. He's more of a swing vote now. Um. As a federal employee, I see the ongoing change in California affecting the people so much. Yeah. Well, a lot of policies start in California. California has become the test laboratory of a lot of far left ideas. And it's no wonder that you see like here in San Diego County, they started the medical misinformation resolution that they want to combat medical misinformation. Then you start to see it pop up in other parts of California. And then you see the Surgeon General talking about it on a federal level. So these ideas start in California and they spread, which is why it's so important that California politics is kind of stopped where it is right now and pushed back on. Because a lot of these ideas, you see it in national politics, like the per mile tax, which they're trying to push here in San Diego County, which I think is, I think is going to uh, fail this time because I don't think there's the political will to do so. Um, you see that, and that's not only part of San Diego County or California, that's part of like the actual 
platform of Democrats is they want to start taxing per mile across the country to raise money for their green plans and their green economy and their green climate change and all that stuff. Um, forget that it's a horrible Fourth Amendment violation and it probably would never fly. Um, but, you know, they're going to try it. Um, why is it seem that it's a blanket prescription for everyone? Not everyone wants to live the same way. So if we abide by laws, why is that not enough? I don't really understand the question. Who's blanket prescription for? Um, I lived in Oregon for a while and I believe in the state of Jefferson. I refer to the state of Jefferson a lot. Um, in the sense that it's like a whole different world up there, the state of Jefferson. So yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if the state of Jefferson would be a good thing or a bad thing, um, but I think you could certainly make the argument that if it was its own state, you'd have another state that's mostly Republican. Kylie reported that they're taking news from the court to end the state of emergency since he's been MIA in a supposed emergency. Good. Good for Kylie. Go back. Um, do the parents of Barack Obama school able to file a lawsuit for vaccine and without parental control uh probably they they i think they would probably have a good lawsuit on their hands they might have overstepped their authority and their bounds in that sense and i i i don't know the actual legal argument off the top of my head i'm not an education lawyer so i don't really understand education is a whole different world especially public education so um but i i would assume that there's probably going to be legal consequences for vaccinating someone's child without their without the parents consent unless they agree to it well um if it's a state of emergency stores are enforcing the, the mass i see more of us not wearing them uh well in some places i don't know where you are i know there's only a certain handful of places that require mass um here in san diego county they're not required they're strongly recommended and for all intensive purposes one of the good things about San Diego County is that we are effectively fully reopened. We have no mask mandates. There's no vaccine passports or anything like that. You can go, come and go as you please. You can go into the movie theaters and all that. Um, there are some stores, there's some places that still adhere to it and ask you to wear a mask. Um, in my mind, whatever, that's the business's personal choice. Um, again, that, it all came down to this idea of like, if a private business requires you, then let the private business have that power, but otherwise I don't think the state should be doing it. Um, well, I'm sure there's a lot of places in California that are not, uh, not locked down and masked up and stuff like that. And I, you know, I was actually talking to my, to my dad yesterday about this is that California sort of gets a bad rep because a lot of people are like, Oh, California. I mean, look at California. It's all locked up. And I saw Christian Walker who, on a side note, tweeted out this most incredible tweet that I was like, are you trying to be Nick Fuentes? Because you really came off as Nick Fuentes. Something about the white couples and whites make up the majority of the country, so why don't we see more white couples in TVs? And I was like, really, this is the hill you want to die on? Not really worth it. Unless you want to be friends with Nick Fuentes, then I don't know why you tweeted this out. Um, but anyway, he tweeted something about he went to Texas from California and was like, oh my God, it's so free here and it's so great and this is what freedom is. I'm assuming he came from like L.A. or something because most of California is pretty open. Like, I'm sure you could go to Texas and you can go to California and it's basically the same thing. You wouldn't see a big difference between mass, no mass, lockdowns, restrictions, stuff like that. Like, so 
Yeah, I, I thought that was weird. If, and I understand that it's easy to like crap on California and make it sound like it's like we're just really in a bad spot. But um, I mean, look on the bright side. It's not Oregon. Oregon, I was reading, wants to enforce a permanent mask rule for the entire state. They're suing the school district. Let them choose has info on it. Yeah, I would assume so. There's a lot of good people. Um, oh, thanks for thanks for stopping by. Go to facts, law, truth, justice for updates about schools and vaccines. Um, yeah, we've been chatting. I need to get her. Um, I need to get her on the podcast. She's been wanting to hop on. Uh, there's a story out of LA where a student who wanted to eat pizza at lunch had to get the jab without the parents' consent, and they told the student not to tell anyone. Yeah, that was the story I read too. That's gonna be that's gonna create a whole legal issue. Placer County, pretty open. Um, yeah, there's. I would, I would venture to say there. I mean, there's 58 counties in California. I would venture to say it's a more of a, a small minority of of counties that have gone far, have gone really crazy on COVID restrictions and stuff like that. Most of California is widely open, and there were some counties in California that never shut down. They just literally gave the middle finger to Noodles and said, "We're not shutting down." I forget which county that was, but there was one county specifically where they said, we're not going to shut down because business is essential and we're not going to, we're not going to fight against it. So, uh, I only shot in places that don't require masks. Haven't worn one in a long time. My eyes going, um, yeah, it is a little weird. It's kind of jarring. Um, I went Christmas shopping last night and I had to think to myself, like, are there going to be stores that require masks in the mall? Because some stores are weird like that. And that, sure enough, there was like a perfume store that required you to wear a mask when you walked in, which is, I don't, so you go to a perfume store to smell the perfumes. You got to take your mask down to smell it anyway. So I don't really understand the point of that, but ready never enforced it. Yep. Well, that's part of that whole state of Jefferson. He did. He lives in LA. Yeah. That's what I figured. He's, he's in LA. So you know, he's going from like the one extreme to the other, but that's LA. And that's one thing that like California is a big state. And I'm really tired of people just constantly saying that what LA and San Francisco do embodies the entire state. Because if you were to go to the central Valley or you were to go out to the desert or you go to the inland empire or state of Jefferson for that matter, you would look at a lot of these places in California and go, this is California. This is crazy. If you went up in the mountains and the Sierra Nevadas and all that stuff, you wouldn't look at it and be like, this is California. Um, and I'm, I get tired of it. And I'm sure a lot of people do get tired of it as well, that LA and San Francisco do not represent the majority of California. And the only way anything's going to change in California is you have to create a political position that can chip away at those voter bases in LA and, and the Bay Area. Um, because the rest of the state is pretty red. If you look at the county breakdown and where people vote, the rest of the state is very, very red. Um, it's just those two cities. So really, it should be all focused on like San Francisco may be really too far gone. But L.A., you can change a lot of things in L.A. There's a lot of people in L.A. who are probably not happy with smash and grabs and, and all that stuff. So there might be an opportunity there. San Diego's not too far gone yet. It's getting there, which worries me is that Cal that San Diego is moving in that direction. There's still hope that it can be turned around, which is why I believe if any change is going to happen or any new platform, it's going to come out of San Diego County. Because if you can win in San Diego County and you can show other counties how to do it, that's a whole different thing. 
uh, I'm in LA, went to Utah for Thanksgiving. It's a night and day difference with Mountain. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, when you go from LA to another part of the country, yeah, it's going to look way different. Um, there's a crap load of folks wearing masks though here. Yeah. Well, I think Omicron scared a lot of people, um, back into the mass. And I think it scared a lot of people back into, you know, requiring masks and people want to, they want to rush back into the homes and go back into lockdowns. Um, and you know, like we say about here in San Diego, uh, if you go to like places like North park, um, which is, a, if you don't know San Diego, North park is a real hipster area, um, where it's, you know, it's like Portlandia. If you ever watch that show, that's what North park and South park really are. Uh, we call it Masklandia because you drive through and it's like, everybody's wearing masks no matter what they're riding the bicycle by themselves they're walking their dog by themselves they're wearing a mask um and and people just wear masks like that's their thing they just everybody wears a mask um so in fact uh yeah you notice it in like areas like you know it's funny molly you brought that up in, in the area of like socal sushi um that's like masklandia normal heights is kind of like masklandia so do you have kids? I feel like parents are feeling the craziness between masks and pushing mandates. I don't have kids. Um, I was in the Midwest for two months. It was night and day. Yep. Uh, do, 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 do. <laughs> I spent so much time defending Cali to folks online. Yeah, at a certain point, like, it, there's really no point to um, defending as much. I mean, you can try it. There's a lot of people out there who just have ill preconceived motion, notions of, of California. Like, when I moved from Jersey, people were like, oh, I can't believe you want to move from New Jersey to California. It just got worse here. Um, New Jersey is basically like a mini California. It's expensive. There's high taxes. Properties are expensive. Um, property taxes are really high, not higher than here in California. Um, so it's basically just a mini California. So moving from Jersey to California was not a big difference to me. It, it just feels all the same. Holly weird runs LA. Um, oh, you asked this question before I might've been muted. Am I going to run for office on a local level? I don't know. Um, you know, if they're right, I, I like being the critic. I like being the commentator. Um, it allows me to keep my day job. If the right opportunity came along, maybe, but mask in the car, mask in the car is something that I look at. And if I'm driving around with my wife, I'll just look at her and go, you know, just be, look at her. I'll just say, Hey, look at this bozo. And she's like, what? Now she's gotten to the point where I say, Hey, look at this bozo. And she goes, someone in a mask by themselves in a car. I'm like, yep. Yep. Um, that always, with the windows down all that, with mask in the car by themselves. Um, the gloves on. I've seen the gloves on with the mask. That that cracks me up too. Um, and usually, I pa now I pause because I, I wait to see if there's an Uber sticker or Lyft in the back to be like their Uber or Lyft. Because in that case, I'm like, yeah, I'll give them a pass because they're required to. But if there's no Uber or Lyft and they're just sitting in their car by themselves with the gloves and the mask on, I'm like, okay. 
someone still believes. And this is these are the people who are screaming at you on your comments on social media. These are the people who scream at you and say, you don't follow the science. They're like, well, you don't follow the science and you don't believe in the science. And it's like, okay, but do you drive around in your car with a mask on? Then you don't follow the science because there's been no science to show that it comes through your car and you can catch it driving 50, 60, 70 miles down the highway it coming through your car. If you're more that worried, put the recycled air on. Like, I don't know. It is. <laughs> I don't think there's ever been. Has there been a case of someone catching COVID in their car through their ventilation system? I don't know. I don't think so. But for all those people who scream at you, you don't follow the science. They seem to not follow the science when it comes to stuff like that. Elderly lady in a Prius by herself in a mask in a conservative area. I think she was lost. Yeah, well, I mean, not everywhere is. She might have been lost, but she may have just been one of the lone holdouts. What are your thoughts on the vaccine mandates for federal employees given most recent rulings by federal courts for healthcare and federal contractors? Um, they're going down in flames um, right now. It's not a good sign. I mean, all these TROs and injunctions are being granted against uh, Biden's mandates for federal employees, federal contractors, federal healthcare workers. Um, and I saw someone bring up on Rooted Wings. Uh, post when she posted it somebody said well how does this help people here in california it doesn't help people in california necessarily unless you are a federal employer or federal contractor uh but i've brought this up before it bring it, it creates precedent and every time there's a win every time there's a win like this lawyers can then look at those cases and say this is the argument they use. This is the case law they used. And now we can go and use it in our own courts and it's persuasive authority. Um, so does it have an immediate effect on people in California? No, because they're not federal employees. But does it create a precedent of you can't do this? Yes. And that's the most important thing. And I'm glad to see that the judiciary in this country is finally starting to wake up and be a check and balance on the other branches of power by really ruling on these, striking down a lot of these things. I mean, they've halted a lot of these things. They haven't struck down a lot of it, but halting a lot of these things and saying, wait, hold on a sec. We don't know if this, this is completely illegal. You know, in 2020, the judiciary, I don't, I think was too scared to take on a lot of these cases because they just said, well, we don't know too much and we don't know what's going on. Um, but now that it's sort of subsiding a little bit, uh, judiciary seems to be really more inclined to rule against these things. Um, believe me, there's tons of lawyers and this is really just death by a thousand cuts. It's a lot of lawyers and a lot of lawsuits. And for every one of those successful lawsuits you see, there's probably, I don't know, 10 or 20 that are doing the same thing, but one gets through and one gets a good ruling, but that's all you need. You need that one to get a good ruling and one to um, really start the ball rolling so that people can go to other courts and argue in favor of it or against it. Um, the gloves is what tops it off. Yeah, the gloves is funny. Like the gloves, if you ever see the trifecta, you should create a game. If you see the trifecta of the gloves the mask and the face shield while they're in their car by themselves, there should be a game of like, I don't know, you do a shot or something. Is a born and raised San Diego. It just makes me sad. I need to see how the politics has changed SD for the worst. Yeah. But I, I think there's hope. I think there's hope in San Diego. It's not too far gone. I think there's 
a lot of purple left, and I think there's a lot of purple that can be persuaded. Um, it's a ripe ground for open minds, and you know, a lot of there's a lot of people who are fighting for freedoms and liberties that come out of here. You know, the the rest of California is looking to. Um, I was talking to somebody who said, "Man, it seems like all the people who are really on the front of this battle are all down in San Diego." I'm like, "Well, maybe it's just our politics. Maybe people down here just get it." Would you ever do a meetup with your followers? You can meet at a restaurant or bar in North Park, Normal Heights. Actually, that's an excellent question. Uh, next month, we're planning on a meetup, um, and I will be posting it. It will be more of an action sort of meeting where we're going to discuss like party platform and stuff here in San Diego. I will give you more details, um, but there is something in the works to have like a meetup drinks appetite all that stuff uh i don't know where it will be specifically it will be in san diego city and we're going to talk about like what we can do here in san diego to take a lot of what we talk about and put it into action and that's really um the point of it and there's going to be more of them we're going to see how well they go if they're really well attended and people really like them and they're excited we may do them quarterly we may do them just one or two times a year we'll see but um I think it'll be a good opportunity to, to start gathering the people who follow this, this, this program, this platform to start turning it into action, which has been my goal is to eventually take this platform and turn it into something that can get action done and get people moving and get things done here in San Diego County. And, and I've talked about my plans for San Diego County before what I would like to do. Um, so You'll be hearing more about that. And in fact, I should probably get together with the people who I want to plan it with uh, soon because January is coming up really quickly. Before you know it, it's going to be Christmas and it'll be New Year's. And then before you know it, we got to get going on it. So I should probably talk to them soon. Um, I'm hungry for some freedom in and out burgers. Um, so yeah, keep stay tuned for meetups. I had seen a mask covering the AC vents. Okay, that's a little ludicrous. I'm sad seeing so many of our youth outside walking around with their masks on. Whole generation. That does worry me. Yeah, that's something that does worry me. Um, is seeing a lot of younger people wearing the mask um, when when they when they don't require it. Um, so make it the Shea Cafe, UCSD. I'm assuming. Um, that will be, I'm assuming that's a Shea Guerrera cafe. Will you be at Liberty station this Saturday? Uh, no, I'm hosting a cookies. What's going on at Liberty station? Christmas tree lighting. I'm hosting a cookies and postcards gathering on the 14th to write support for Kevin Kylie's build and state emergency. Do it in your neighborhood too. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you don't have to wait for these things. You don't have to wait for us to create it, you know, get people together. And, and that's where politics really starts to happen is if you have a get together, whether it's cookies and postcards or drinks, um, I'm a fan of like the idea of like drinks, having drinks and going over your, your ballot and all that stuff and talking about propositions because there's a lot to talk about. So it could usually be like an hour or two of, you know, a good whiskey and sit down and really examine it. But, you know, make it a social thing. That's the point of this is that they want people they don't want people to get together and talk about these things person to person, because when people talk about these things person to person, it changes the dynamic where 
you are, you know, it's so easy in social media to just yell at each other and insult each other. But when you talk to people in person, it's a whole different dynamic and you respect each other and you may come to differences and you may learn something, but, um, do those, do those gatherings. I always support that. Go, go do those gatherings. Uh, that's great. Excellent way to spread the word and really educate people who are on the fence on issues. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that. Um, there'll be more information about when that's going to happen and what we're going to do. Um, Oh, the Robert F. Kennedy thing. Uh, no, I I don't think I'll be, I think I have something going on or am I busy? I don't know. Um, but I'm sure it'll be a a well-packed or well-attended event. So yeah, but anyway, I'll, I'll keep you updated about the meetup and stuff like that and when we're going to do that um, and where it's going to be and all the, that information. Um, apologize for the sound. I have no idea what happened with the sound halfway through, but if you want to listen, if you missed a whole bunch of stuff and you want to go back and listen, I would suggest go to the audio uh, podcast. The link is in my bio. You can find all the podcasts. This is usually up a couple hours after I do this and I go live. Um, so if you missed like the whole 20 minutes or something, me talking about Crenshaw and all that stuff, because I was on a roll and I was just chatting, I didn't see anything. Uh, go back, listen to the audio podcast so you can get the first 20 minutes. So as always, uh, tomorrow night, 8 PM, we'll be doing the podcast live on YouTube as always. And, um, next week, same thing coffee in California politics every Wednesday morning at 9am and podcast and all that stuff. So thank you for everyone for hopping on and great questions. And I'll see you on the next one later. for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it, and follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 